The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Well, welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. And we're joined today by a good friend of mine, Kevin Kendall. Who, well, I'm a massive fan of his, his music, and we'll be talking more about him and hearing from him on our Moment of Truth, and also by Julian Rosser, our guest presenter today. And as always, of course, we have Darren Ball uh, with his questions and comments that he's received from all of you. We want to thank you again uh, to our listeners and uh, everyone who's written in and emailed in and called. And uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, it really makes the show far more real, I think. That's what we're being told to a lot of our listeners because we're getting real questions. And by the way, ones I've never heard until they're presented by Darren Ball. It's a very exciting show as far as I am concerned today because we're going to be going into an area that not only no radio station has really looked at in depth that I know of anyway, but I don't think it's ever been looked at in depth on this planet, in public, in any forum until these days that we're in now because we're actually going to go beyond ascension. Uh, we're going to look at what happens after ascension and we're going to start to move for the first time to the higher freedoms and in this case it will be the seventh freedom which is interplanetary existence so but without any further ado let's do what we always do we have the great privilege of doing and that's listening to the giver of the nine freedoms and by the way if you're new to our show do go to the nine freedoms page on the ethereum society website that's ethereus.org and look up the background to this. They were delivered through, I believe, the greatest medium, well, I think ever, really, uh, that we know of, namely Dr. George King, certainly of modern times. And they were this, this series, uh, which in my opinion, in our opinion, is the greatest uh, set of teachings ever delivered to Earth, is the Nine Freedoms, and they're given by Mars Sector 6. So you're going to hear now Mars Sector 6 speaking through Dr. King in a deep, Somatic trance. A freedom from a terrestrial rebirth is indeed a great and a decisive step made by the life stream towards a total existence. No longer is such a life stream a petty, a prone a to basic a limitation, a prone a to a like or dislike as it was previously? The experiences of cosmic consciousness, the experiences of ascension, 
um, indelibly stamped upon the sole uh, principle of such a life stream in a such a manner that it uh, tries with all available energy to express its a divinity. So those words, that short extract was from the seventh freedom and the seventh freedom is, we are told, interplanetary existence. Yes, there is a step after even ascension. And we have heard in our metaphysical and spiritual teachings through the millennia uh, talk of the highest state of conscious on earth by various names. We've discussed this before on the, on this show, uh, namely cosmic consciousness. Some call it nirvana. Some call it seedless samadhi. There are different terms for it, but this state has been known about, and very rarely it has been attained uh, through, and, and it will be attained, we're told. This is the fifth freedom by all of us eventually, which is wonderful news indeed. And we've also heard about ascension. Uh, we've heard about the so-called bodhisattvas, who uh, were, it, it, this term is used differently by different people, but in one terminology, these were beings who'd come back after so-called nirvana, come back in the bodied form, didn't age, in order to serve humanity. And in more recent times with the Theosophical Society, did a, a superb job, I have to say, especially Madame Blavatsky, who was the founder of it, of course, in putting out teachings at a very, very difficult time, I must say, for her to do that. We're talking about a Russian woman, divorcee in Victorian England, putting out these concepts very successfully, with great controversy, of course, as you always get. And she was terribly maligned. But she didn't that didn't stop her and so we have this concept of ascension we have it in the i am movement mainly grew up in america um and we have to be careful we have to discriminate very carefully because there are false claims out there some of these movements have been infiltrated by various people i say infiltrated just taken over or uh, partly joined by people who make false claims, sometimes believing them when they make them, by the way, but still false. So we have to discriminate carefully. But the concept of an ascended master, that's male and female, of course, isn't new to us. Now we're moving into something which is new. The nine freedoms go further even than that. And why? Why have we been given this now? Why has this information suddenly been made available after all these millennia? It was known, of course, by Ascended Masters very, very well. It was known uh, because they actually had the choice to move on and, and take up interplanetary existence, which they turned down in order to serve us here on Earth. That we have discussed before on the show. And it was known in certain secret mystery schools. Um, you can see certainly reference to it in many uh, teachings, if you know what to look for, especially, I would say, the Hindu scripts, some of them, uh, but also in the Bible and elsewhere. So it's not new that there are beings on other planets and that they have helped us. In ancient Greek legends, 
many, many sources, uh, beings from the sky and South American legends coming down, and so on and so on. But now we're told what interplanetary existence is really like, what motivates them, what, how they express their divinity, as Mars Sector 6 puts it, and what their evolutionary journey is leading them to. And this has never been done before. And why is it being done now? And I think, as uh, the Master Etherius actually told us, it's because of the initiation of Earth that these teachings were delivered. We're very fortunate to have them. And in a way, we have them early, because although the initiation of Earth has taken place, again, you'll see a lot about this on our website if you want to look into the initiation of Earth, the greatest event in our history, as a matter of fact. Although it's taken place, it hasn't yet manifested. Uh, the energies, the initiating energies, the powers of this initiation haven't yet spread throughout our world. And nevertheless, we have these teachings available to us and we can use these teachings. Uh, we can apply them. I think that's one of the things we're hoping to uh, bring out in the Spiritual Freedom Show. Even with these states of existence way who knows how many thousands of lives of evolution ahead of ordinary mortals such as some of us uh, nevertheless we can still learn great lessons from this and we can apply those lessons that's the point we want to get to here in our lives now i think if if we couldn't it wouldn't have been given to us it wouldn't just be given to us as it were as a inverted commas, cosmic carrot, as a, as a great encouraging signpost of things to come and as a learning, as a teaching thing about what life is like in almost an academic way. It wouldn't be given just for that purpose. It's got to be given so that we can use, as all great teachings are, apply these teachings in our lives. So coming to the text we've just heard, uh, we're talking here about freedom from terrestrial rebirth. And it's a great um, and decisive step, uh, says Mars Sector 6. And even the, the soul has to be reborn for more than one life, we're told, after cosmic consciousness in order to master experience. And then the soul moves on and moves on to ascension. And then this great decisive step is made beyond even ascension. Now, bear in mind that every significant experience, every profound realization we have changes us forever. So we're told in this extract that the experience of cosmic consciousness, the experience of ascension, are indelibly stamped upon the sole principle of such a live stream. I think that's a wonderful phrase, don't you? The experiences of cosmic consciousness, the experiences of ascension are indelibly stamped upon the sole principle of such a live stream. Uh, and this means that they are living things. They aren't things that just like so many experiences that people have and then they look at their photos of a holiday or whatever it might be, they're things that happen. These are changes, internal changes, that live within these intelligences forever. Uh, and they no longer have any karma connected to this earth. They've moved on. And 
They're no longer according. Now, this is quite a statement here by Mars Sector 6, and it's a typical example of his straightforward, sometimes almost in-your-face approach. He says such a live stream is no longer petty. And it implies, actually, I think, that statement, that to some degree, those of us who have not ascended can be petty. And if people want to take offense at that, well, I think they're, they're not going to learn the lesson because you don't have to look far to see it. Just look at the media. Just see what they are. Just name one thing, actually, which I've been dealing with, um, and that is UFOs. And about a year ago, actually, in January of last year, uh, the uh, Pentagon came out and actually admitted, this is only an example, that uh, they have you know, U.S. Navy footage of UFOs. Now, I'm sure that isn't going to surprise a lot of our listeners very much at all, but it was quite something for them to admit it. It was carried in our best-selling newspaper in this country, in Britain, in a tiny corner of the newspaper, and in the same newspaper, 11 or 12 pages were devoted to a certain royal couple uh, who, who who had been married a little bit, but were causing troubles in the royal family. That's just one example of pettiness, of our priorities. And before we jump at the uh, media uh, for this, they do it because that's what people want to read. Um, and Otherwise, they wouldn't sell newspapers. But an ascended master, one who has been through this initiation and moved on to interplanetary existence, I mean, doesn't suffer. That's a, uh, is way above that, of course, but doesn't suffer from any pettiness at all. They're not prone to like or dislike. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't mean we know they won't have selfishness, hate, jealousy, lies, all the things that exist here but they're not prone to these personal inclinations. In other words, they're not ruled by them. Uh, and they can they rise above such things. And they, as I say, they have the experience of cosmic consciousness, which is totally unlimited, stamped upon the soul. What a beautiful image. It's a permanent thing. And what do they do? They try with all available energy to express their divinity. How wonderful is that? Uh, it's what we should be doing, of course. And here's something we can try to apply. We can learn from that. And if that's what they do, that's what we should at least strive to do. Um, and the words are very important because in the seventh freedom, the individual soul who has not chosen to stay on Earth has moved to birth on another planet where all their available energy is used to express their divinity. And some, of course, we know will stay here. Um, uh, but they are those who move on are less limited than their, if we can call them this, their brothers and sisters who remain here as ascended masters. Uh, they are sacrificing those ascended masters this freedom. Uh, and but those who move on are absolutely able to express this divinity in ways they've never been able to do so before, and we'll be looking more into that as we progress. The seventh freedom is a wonderful, inspiring revelation never made to earth before about what happens after ascension. And this is the great thing we are promised, that sometime in the future, this freedom, like all the others, is something we are going to experience. It's part of our journey. And we can and will express our divinity then in a much more complete and far less limited way, both at an inner and at an outer 
level. Now, uh, we must move on to our first guest now. I'm very, very pleased that our first guest today is Kevin Kendall, who's become a good friend of, of mine. Uh, I had the pleasure of that. I was introduced to his music through my wife, Alison, who was on to this well ahead of me and is a big fan, as I am, as a few of us are, actually, of his music. He's a music musician, a composer. He's also a qualified pilot, by the way. And back in 2016... Uh, Kevin and I collaborated on a meditation album called Rise, Peace Meditations with Music. You may have actually heard some of the music from that album uh, if you tuned into one of our online services. Kevin is very generous. He lets us use his music in our online services gratis. He never asks for any payment or fee, and we often do. So I'm sure a lot of you who are regular cooperators with the Ethereum Society or our activities will have heard the music of Kevin Kendall. Uh, he's been a member of the Ethereum Society for a few years now. He's going to, in a moment, be sharing with us a moment of truth from his spiritual journey. But before we do, let's listen just a little bit of the music that he wrote for Rise. And this particular track, this is an extract from the track Cosmic. I love that piece of music, and welcome to the show, Kevin. <laughs> Hello, Richard. Thanks Hello. for having me. Would you kindly share your moment of truth with us, please, Kevin? Yes, of course. Um, thank you for the introduction, and um, that covers a bit about my background and um, the experience i like to share with you as a moment of truth. happened um, in 2016, actually, in July, um, I was rehearsing for um, a concert was coming up on the 9th of July in Glastonbury at the time. And being quite a, a sort of complex show to put on, I always rehearse for about a month quite intensively before taking part in, in, the, in the concert. So um, it also involves a lot of late nights. <laughs> so um, I'd converted my studio into a sort of rehearsal room, if you like. And each night I'd run through the complete set of music uh, a couple of times working out where sound changes need to happen, getting everything cemented in my mind. So it's quite a sort of intense period of time. It's very enjoyable, of course. but uh, And it's all to do with space. The music is inspired by space. Um, I'm a keen night sky watcher, so I'm very familiar with um, what satellites look like, for example, uh, what aeroplanes look like, um, being a pilot, and also shooting stars. I'm very fortunate to live in a sort of fairly rural area where um, the night skies can be wonderful. 
So um, that's, a bit, again, a bit of background. On this particular night, um, I've been carrying out the uh, rehearsal for the music, and um, I'd spent a couple of hours very focused on the music, and it was about half past 12 at night. Um, I thought, right, it's time for bed. Um, powered down the studio. And I went to lock the back door, and I looked out of the, uh, the door. It was a lovely warm evening. And it, it just struck me that the night sky looked absolutely stunning. And I thought, oh, I must, I must, I, I can't miss this. <laughs> mm. And because of the intense period, I hadn't actually been out and done any stargazing for a short while before this. So I thought, I've got, I've got to go out and just take all this in. So I popped out into the back garden. I looked up and I could just make out the Milky Way. So I thought, right, I'm going to turn all the house lights off downstairs. So I turned all the, all the lights off, went back out into the garden. And as my eyes adjusted, the Milky Way, or the great being known as the galaxy, came into mm. perfect view. It was absolutely a stunning, clear, beautiful night. There were satellites clearly visible. There's constant little pinpricks of light moving fast across the sky every now and then. It was just wonderful. And um, I, I stood there sort of in awe for about 15 minutes. So it was probably getting on for quarter to one, something like that. And I felt inspired to um, perform the 10th blessing. You know, blessed is the great being known yeah. as the galaxy. So I, I carried out this lovely spiritual practice, actually sending it directly to the great being known as the galaxy. And I could see it clearly in front of me. So it was a very moving experience. I was sort of, you know, my head was tingling and my hands were tingling. And it was, mm. it was a magical time. And I just came, you know, I stood there for about 10 minutes sending out power and came to the end of the, of the practice. And I was just looking into the sky, taking it all in. When all of a sudden, all I can describe it as was like a... a almost like a lighthouse, a pinprick of light, like a star becoming much brighter than it should momentarily for maybe half a second, mm -hmm. just caught my eye. And I was, my attention was instantly drawn to that area of the sky. It wasn't moving. It wasn't flashing. It was a single, like a lighthouse beacon on and off. And I thought, well, that's strange. What, what, what's that? It was sort of halfway up the sky, so it wasn't, wasn't near the ground. It couldn't have been a lamp or a light going on or off. It was definitely in the sky, in the region of Cassiopeia, to be honest, with, with the, uh, the w, shape, w shape you, you can sometimes see in the sky, close to the area of Andromeda. And I thought, well, what, what on earth can that be? Maybe I imagined it. You know, I stood there looking for a couple of minutes, and I, it didn't happen again. And I started to think, I must have imagined this. And then as soon as I thought that, it did exactly the same thing. I was looking directly into that area of the sky, another momentary flash and on and off, hmm. which confused me. I was absolutely, I'd never seen anything quite like it. I am quite skeptical. Um, whilst I believe in UFOs, 100%. I've never actually seen one. Um, or so I thought. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I thought, okay, I, I stood there for another 10, 20 minutes and didn't see anything else. So this was all, all sorts of thoughts were going through my mind. So I, I, I locked the house up and went to bed. The following morning, got up, still thinking about what this could, could have been. 
And as we do these days, one of the first things we do is sort of uh, have breakfast, check social media for messages that have come in overnight, things like that. And one message I saw stopped me in my tracks because what it was was um, a, a posting that the Ethereum Society always put on Facebook immediately after the start of a spiritual push, ah. service in a spiritual push. And I, my spine went cold, and uh, I, it was one of those definite hair on the back of the moments because I suddenly realized that I was looking into the sky at what must have been exactly 1 a.m. British summertime, oh. which is 12 midnight GMT. Yeah. It was the exact start of the spiritual push. And because I'd been so focused on rehearsing for this concert, I'd forgotten that it was the start of a spiritual push. So it led me to conclude almost instantly that I maybe have witnessed the arrival of satellite number three at that exact same time. The, the, the level of coincidence is too great. It is. And, of course, normally they satellite number three, they keep invisibility, but that wouldn't stop them giving yes. a, a sign or something like that at all. So that's very interesting. What, very interesting. Whether it was because I was performing the, the tenth blessing as yeah. as they arrived, and they were somehow sensed this, I don't know. But or another was, craft, you know, connected that was watching. Yeah, as could well. be. Yeah, could be. That's that's a that's a and fantastic also, moment of truth. It was also very telling that as soon as I had doubts, it did it again. So as if to mm. say, no, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kevin. That's that's really interesting. That's Kevin Kendall with his moment of truth. Thanks very much, Kevin. Thank and you very much. Nice to share it with somebody. Lovely to have you on the show. And now we're going to be going to our producer, uh, who's multitasking because he's also presenting the questions and the comments. And have we had some questions and comments this uh, last week, Darren Ball? Hey, Richard, and hey to all of our listeners tuning in. Uh, yeah, we've had some great questions and comments uh, in response to the show and in general too these last few weeks. So uh, certainly keep them coming in. Um, as always, I encourage everyone listening too to write into Spiritual Freedom at richardlawrence.co.uk with whatever questions you have, even your thoughts or experiences, stories that you'd like to share, like the one you've just heard from Kevin there. Um, we'd love to share them on the show. Um, I also invite you to check out Richard's website, by the way. That's richardlawrence.co.uk for other shows um, around the world that he's appeared on recently if you want to follow those too. So um, since we're getting into this topic now, Richard, on life on, on other planets in our solar system, <clears throat> I thought I'd uh, pick up a few questions here about life on the other planets. And uh, the first Good. one I, I, I got here, which is one I thought was quite interesting, um, and it's, it goes as follows. Did the other beings King communicated with begin life similar to ours? Is our own world destined for futures like theirs? Well, that really is in tune with the show we're on <laughs> today because um, – we are the sort of the backward planet in this solar system. I think one of the kind of very unique things among uh, of, of many unique things actually about Dr. King's contacts is that his they were mainly not entirely but mainly with intelligences from within this solar system. So for what we're hearing about today, for example, interplanetary existence is referring to planets in this solar system, certain planets where there is life in this solar system. And that is exactly where we are headed. That's why I said earlier, I think the whole point of giving us this knowledge is, yes, to inspire us and to teach us, but also to let us start to attune ourselves, as it were now, to the way 
these higher beings operate and 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 evolve uh, in our much more lowly form, so that one day we will be exactly like them. So, I, I does that answer that question, Darren? Do you think? Yeah, was I think. There, was um, there an element we, I missed there? No, I think that's right. So it's it's not only that we have this opportunity for ascension into planetary existence, but also our world is kind of emerging into this new age. Um, mm in which the Mother Earth will, will take her, her true, um, express a greater aspect of her divinity in, and, and we will be rising with her for those of us who are still here. So I think, that's, um, I think that's a very inspiring thought for, for everybody to share. I think we've got another one here, actually. Um, she, yeah. This person talks about, so we talk about, we talk about Dr. King obviously communicating with advanced intelligences like Mars Sector 6, raising his consciousness if you like, in order to do that. And this person asks, um, you mentioned about communicating with a higher vibration. How do we raise our vibration? Is that through practice and prayer? Yes, well, that's, again, in fact, we're going into the show next week in how to raise the kundalini through service. It it is a very, very groundbreaking uh, concept, uh, which we're going to go into in some detail. But briefly, yes, we raise our vibrations every time we radiate love. Every time we serve, even if we're giving service in very lowly vibrations, and often we have to, and the mark of these days is that we should. We shouldn't just seek out wonderful locations and beautiful vibrations. We have to go where the service requires us to go, which might be a busy town or city or somewhere very, very uh, unpleasant at times. Uh, But service is desperately needed. But by radiating love, by, say, doing what Kevin told us, doing the doing uh, one of the blessings or all of the blessings by doing mantra, by doing breathing exercise, all the things we know, and by just by serving others, yes, we're steadily raising and raising and raising our vibrations, and this will take us to higher levels of, of spiritual attainment. Hmm. Do we have time for another one, Richard, or shall we go on? Uh, well, let's have it later on, because I think we do need to move on now to our next extract, if, if you'd be kind enough to play the second extract from The Seventh Freedom by Mars Sector 6. A planetary a birth in this way a leads a to a realisation of the limitation imposed by the recognition of basic dimension and a will at all overcome this imposition, this limitation, a will to forge through interplanetary service to even a greater realization and appreciation of the whole unity of all things. So now we're hearing for the first time the real nature of interplanetary existence, not not some science fiction writer's idea, which is often coloured, actually, by very terrestrial ideas uh, of what human nature is like, but the true nature, which isn't just advancement technologically, but more importantly, spiritually. 
And we're given this, I think, so we can see where we're headed. Uh, not as an escape from terrestrial existence, which often you felt uh, some of the older teachings were, were, were encouraging you to get away, to escape from the cycle of experience. Not that, but as a progression towards something greater. And there's a massive difference between those two approaches, which we can start to apply now. Uh, we can change in the light of realizing key elements of the cosmic future, which beckons, as it were. And to put it more simply and, and maybe less dramatically, we can start to prepare now for this future. So let's try and look at some of those key elements as described in this extract. And let's bear in mind the person who delivered this extract knows he's been there. He's actually been beyond that the stage even of uh, interplanetary existence as described here. And so he's telling us something that he really knows about. And he says, a planetary birth in this way leads to a realization of the limitation imposed by the recognition of basic dimension and a will to overcome this imposition, this limitation. This, I believe, is a very profound statement with vast ramifications. First of all, what is basic dimension as referred to by Mars Sector 6. And to answer that, I would refer you to an outstanding lecture by Dr. King, which is available from our website, ethereus.org. And that lecture is called The Seven Dimensions of Creation. Uh, it's a very profound statement that's being given to us here in The Seventh Freedom. Now, with interplanetary existence, there is may well be, and I believe probably is, a considerable extension to that teaching of the seven dimensions of creation, but at least those are the ones that we certainly know of here and now. Now, according to Mars Sector 6, they, the interplanetary intelligences, they realize the limitation imposed by these dimensions or by the recognition of them, if you like, the acceptance of them. And there's an implication that the acceptance of them is a limiting factor. They are something which needs and which they strive to transcend. This is quite a new thought. Uh, we might uh, see it as a teaching when we start to learn about the dimensions in which we exist, but they know this far better than we do, and they are trying to move beyond it. I can't go into all the details of this lecture. I do recommend it again, and it's quite a long lecture. But the seven dimensions, in brief, are length, breadth, height. Time is, of course, the fourth dimension. The fifth dimension is motion, bearing in mind that time is measured in the movement or the motion of planetary bodies through space. The sixth dimension is mind, and the seventh is divine will. So I'm not asking you to remember all those, but interestingly, Dr. King describes even the highest of these dimensions, that's divine will, the seventh dimension, he describes it as a measurement. Uh, the interplanetary in intelligence is driven by a will to overcome these limiting dimensions, which can be measured and move beyond them. And we're told how they go about it. And this is how they go. I'm now quoting this. A will to forge through interplanetary service to even greater realization and appreciation of the whole unity of all things. 
So once again, we come back to service. It was the third freedom, but it's what is practiced in the seventh freedom as well, but on an interplanetary, possibly even intergalactic, if they, if they move beyond this galaxy. They travel throughout this galaxy and, in certain cases, beyond uh, level, a very different level. And we can see, can't we, that... We're, we're really, the early freedoms were given, the path to enlightenment through service, and then the cosmic consciousness ascension, uh, that whole progress is being practiced, even in interplanetary existence, but on a much higher level. And Mars Sector 6 explains that the will to overcome the limitation of recognizing basic dimension, these dimensions, is achieved by gaining a greater realization. And the, the, as I say, the vehicle they use to do that is service. And I think you can see now, perhaps more than ever, that by studying these things, as we're privileged to do, because on this show, we're able to go into real depth. We can just take one extract at a time and we can see the gems of truth revealed. And we can also look at specifically how we can apply them. And they're not just theoretical or academic ideas about what life might be like in their future. They're descriptions of what life really is like, what motivates the intelligences who've progressed beyond ascension, and how it can be applied to us or by us now. And Mars Sector 6, he wouldn't waste his time just trying to stimulate us or even interest us. It would have to have a very purposeful, relevant useful, almost practical reason behind it. So we can see the seven dimensions which have been explained to us, and I repeat them, their length, breadth, height, time, motion, mind, and divine will, we can see them in a new light. They are, if you like, the architecture of God, the framework we need to gain experience, but no longer do we see them as finite. We can see a time when we will look beyond this architecture and forge with a will a greater realization of God and its creation. And just as service is the motor which drives us on earth uh, towards enlightenment and, and, and cosmic consciousness and ascension, so it is the force which drives them to even far greater realizations even than what we call cosmic consciousness. Uh, so here on Earth, service brings about, as I mentioned, uh, the rise of Kundalini. We're going to go into that in a, in a very specific and slightly technical way next week based on the teachings of the Nine Freedoms, and it brings the opening of the higher chakras. And that's quite a revolutionary concept, really. Uh, certainly not one that was pro promulgated in the old views of Karma Yoga. So we're going to look at that next week and see how that happens and when we do it in a very small way we're following the same kind of trajectory that the great ones are following in the seventh freedom in interplanetary existence well i'm absolutely delighted now to be introducing our guest presenter very experienced presenter uh julian rosser a very active staff member at the ethereum society he works full-time for us uh, in many areas, including very important technical areas, has been absolutely key during lockdown, I must say. He hails from New Zealand. You may remember his wife, Lisa, who's appeared in an earlier episode with her Moment of Truth. You also hear Lisa every time the show starts, actually. That's her voice. Uh, Julian was a regular presenter 
on the Mystic FM radio show in New Zealand. And he's been teaching about spiritual topics for many years. So welcome to the show, Julian. Well, thank you very much, Richard. Uh, Thanks very much for having me on the show. It's a great pleasure to be here and uh, especially to be able to lead a prayer uh, today, which is what I'd like to do. And I don't know if this is the wizardry of uh, Darren's producing, but coincidentally, it's about a prayer about oneness, which fits in quite nicely to what you were just talking about, I think. And I, I chose this today because, I mean, in the world, there's just so much division. I don't need to stress that. I don't need to convince anyone of that. People are so divided, and this division really affects our society's ability to function. Sometimes it goes even further, and we have the the various wars that we've had throughout our history. But really, humanity, we're all parts of a greater whole, and as parts of that whole, we have a responsibility towards the whole of the whole. And this is what the great spiritual masters have taught us throughout the ages. It's what they're still teaching us as you've shown in the nine freedoms. We should love our enemy as much as we love our nearest and dearest family members. Dr. King even said it more directly when he said, no one is nearer to us than our worst enemy. Our loved family members are equally near us to our worst enemy, but not nearer because we're all connected, whether we like people or not. It's easy to forget this, of course, in everyday life. Uh, But the nine freedoms, as I'm sure uh, you'll cover probably many times, stresses that the realization of of oneness is really a a key part uh, of spiritual development. And I just wrote down what you just said, that the realization and appreciation of the whole unity of all things, uh, as Mars Sector 6 just said there. So I thought today uh, I would... We could all, uh, all the listeners, if you want to join in, we could join in a prayer that is about reminding people of their oneness with God and therefore also their oneness with everyone, with all people. And this is a prayer from the series of channeled messages that uh, Dr. George King received from the Master Jesus, the same Jesus who walked this earth 2,000 years ago, an interplanetary being. Uh, that, as you're talking about today, from the planet Venus. And these, these, these messages were recorded, uh, were received in 1958. Uh, it's a series of messages called the 12 Blessings, which were received in much the same way as Dr. King received the Nine Freedoms. And I, I won't go into them in, in great detail, but they're sometimes referred to as a cosmic concept, uh, they, they teach people a lot about our place in the universe, and there's, there's all sorts of amazing themes and truths in them. But one thing, one theme that comes out repeatedly is this idea that we're all connected to God, and we're all one with God, and we all have a spark of divinity within us. And really, it's our duty to try and realize this. And in the 12 blessings, the Master Jesus says that all things, literally all things, all people, animals, plants, planets, every single thing in the universe is a part of God. And everything is therefore connected through this connection to God to everything else. And so the prayer that we're going to join in today is about asking for God's power and love to flow out to all people on earth so that it can help them to realize 
their oneness with God. And I, I think it's just such a lovely thing to pray for because imagine if all people did realize that they were one with God, the world would be so much better a place for it. So let's uh, join in with this. I mean, uh, I'd encourage anyone listening to join in. Obviously, if you're driving a car or something, you don't uh, follow the directions too closely because I do ask you to close your eyes. But um, just sort of sit with the spine upright, and but comfortable, and just close the eyes and just take a deep breath for a moment. And just let the stresses and strains fall away and try to focus on the breath and allow it to become a little bit deeper. And we're just going to use the power of our imagination to visualize a stream of white light, a beautiful, pure, scintillating white light shining down upon us, down through the top of the head and filling our whole body with this beautiful, radiant, brilliant, scintillating white light. And with every breath, we just feel this bright light within us growing ever brighter, ever more brilliant, ever more scintillating. And ideally, we would sit here and do this for several minutes before we pray, but we don't have the time for to really get in the zone today. But when we pray, I'm going to ask that you just raise your hands with the palms facing outward, fingers together to about shoulder height. And we're going to visualize now that this beautiful white light that is, represents the, the love of God, the light of God, to shine out from the heart and from the palms of the hands out as a great, brilliant light, as though you're a lighthouse, a beacon of light radiating this light out to the world. And just keep this visualization going. As I read this prayer, it's only a short prayer, and these are the words, of course, of the Master Jesus. O mighty Jehovah, let the wondrous power from your everlasting heart fall upon the heads of all those upon the earth now. Let the wondrous love from your mighty heart fall upon the hearts of all those upon the earth now, so that they may all realize their divine heritage and oneness with thee. And then just to finish off that prayer, we just wipe the right palm over the left palm which is a way of turning off the flow of energy because the prayer is about activating this energy. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining into that. I think if probably if everyone or even if some of our listeners joined into that, we would have sent a, a lot of energy out to the world for this really beautiful purpose of helping people to realize their oneness with God. So thanks very much for having me on the show, Richard. Julian, thank you so much. That was beautiful, beautiful uh, prayer. 
And I think uh, we all really benefited from that. So thank you very much, Julian Rosser. And I must say, thank you. I must say, uh, Darren and I have commented on this more than once, actually. Um, In fact, I think you're there, Darren, so you can bear me out, uh, that very Mm -hmm. often we'll arrange these shows and they have a sort of uh, a plan of their own. And the choice there by Julian of of that prayer is so in tune with the extracts that we heard, because there's a prayer asking for people to realize their oneness with God. And this is what exactly what we gather uh, are much more advanced, but fellow inhabitants of this solar system are striving to do in interplanetary existence to enhance their realization, to actually sort of break free from the imposition of even dimension, or basic dimension is the phrase used. Uh, And this is... uh, so I think another thing that we're doing, Darren, when we when we really study the higher freedoms, seventh, the eighth, the ninth, which we will be doing from time to time on the Spiritual Freedom Show, we are, as well as learning the great lessons and seeing how we can follow their example in some tiny way here on this planet, we are attuning ourselves to the cosmic family, if you like to call it that. In this solar system, we are following the same evolutionary journey in a smaller way as they are and thereby we are somehow becoming more attuned to them mm, absolutely that's kind of bring us back to that first question isn't it yes um, about you know what 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 we're destined for and the way and actually that second one too how can we begin to make that journey and and begin to emulate the example that we've been given in them in our own yeah, lives very much so very much so so darren do you have other questions or comments uh, you want to share with us all sure just before i get to one though i'll just say that um you know thanks to everyone who's been listening um we really appreciate the support that, that, that you've been showing to us to come some questions that have been coming in um, if you have been enjoying the show i'd love to ask you to um to leave a review on your favorite podcast app whatever that one is to help us get the word out about about this show about the teachings of mars sector six so that so many others can benefit from them as well so i've got um i've got another question here richard uh, this one's kind of brings us back to karma um mm. following one of our recent shows and i think you and i might have spoken about spoken about this a little bit but i thought it'd be a great one to share on the show anyway um for the benefit of others so this person asks as follows um is helping or healing others equal to interfering with their karma karmic debt being immutable once a karma is created by an action a price of some sort or another eventually must be paid there's not a get out of jail free card so who pays the debt right that that's a question that it's a it's a very important question and it does come up in various ways at times and i think there's a slight missing link as it were in the question because uh you by helping another person with their karmic difficulties, and all our difficulties on this earth are karmic in one way or another, um, unless we be ascended, they're our own karma, uh, which we're working through. But when you heal somebody, when you pray for them, uh, when you pray as we just did for humanity as a whole, we we might be the karmic agent, as it were, to bring the help they deserve. So it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Uh, If you're a healer, you'll know that you can give great healing, powerful healing. You give it as powerfully as you possibly can with as much love as you can every time you do it. But sometimes it seems to work uh, much more. Sometimes, occasionally, you'll have your so-called miracle. And we've seen that. People have literally thrown away their crutches. It's happened at Ethereum's house in London. 
remember to uh, actually an acrobat oh. from the local circus. Um, and, but it's you know that therefore in that case it must have been that person's karma. You know, otherwise you would never go into a war-torn area or a disaster zone to help people. It, it, you are part of their good karma then. Look at it that way. Now, sometimes you'll give great healing. I know of cases where you've given great healing, it seemed to work, and the next day the person has an accident and they're back to square one again. So you won't in any way give them a get-out-of-jail-free card, but what you are doing as hard as you can is trying to be, bring them the good karma they deserve. Number one, that's on the individual level. And number two, every time you do this, you're helping the karma of humanity as a whole, of which we're all a part, by doing it. So I think that's my explanation of that, really. Yeah, so helpful. I think so, so much clarity there in that answer, too. Um, and inspiring to know that, that we can be the karmic agent uh, yeah. through which you know, they can realize that good karma in their life. As well, yeah. Um, we've got a slight extension, this related one anyway, I think, which is an important one too. Um, but this person says, So we are encouraged to help others as much as possible, as we've just spoken about, right? And told mm-hmm. that it would not be interfering in their karma. But the cosmic masters are not allowed to help us more than they do because they are karmically right. limited in their help. So, why the difference? Very astute, very astute question. And there is a massive difference from a karmic point of view. Uh, between the cosmic masters or extraterrestrial intelligences helping us here and us helping ourselves because here we are part of the karma the terrestrial karma so i mean this is why you have avatars and this is why they were willing to do it and make this great sacrifice to be born among us Uh, rather i mean these intelligences jesus buddha krishna i would add to that list dr george king by the way and others could have easily if karma allowed it just come down in spacecraft or in whatever way they chose and just solved a lot of our problems and the questioner rightly says they're not allowed to do that but by being born through the womb of an earth woman they take on karma which will have to be repaid at some point but in the meantime they have saved us from terrible destruction from suffering and brought these wonderful teachings in different ways at different times to our world now in the case of us we are part of the karma of humanity so strangely enough we're in a in one way in a more powerful karmic position to help people on earth than are the extraterrestrial intelligences i say karmic position because it isn't interfering with karma so much when you are part of the problem uh, so I think that's a sort of short answer to that question, Darren. Yeah, absolutely. I think helpful too uh, for people to understand that distinction. And I think really uh, this is kind of bringing us to the end of this show. I just do want to thank you again, Darren. That Darren's our, now our producer and for the questions and the comments he brings and all the many other things he does for the Spiritual Freedom Show. I want to thank our great guest today, Kevin Kendall, do look up his music. I, I think he you'll find him on the internet for sure. I recommend it to you. And also Julian Rosser uh, for that excellent uh, uh, spiritual experience he gave us and shared with us today. And I want to thank you all for listening. And we'll close, as we always do, with these words. Service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Mm-hmm.